Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever mm. you are in the world. We are back. Uh, thank you so much for all the nice messages, the emails, the comments. It's, you've been inundated. It's amazing. Uh, however, uh, this sadly will be the final episode of the Crash MotoGP podcast. Unfortunately, due to circumstances way mm. beyond our control, this will be the last. But we are working on something. So stay tuned to our social media because we hope we're not going to be away for too much longer. Uh, but this is the Crash Moto GP podcast. My name is Harry Benjamin. Joining me, as always, is the Crash Moto GP editor, Pete McLaren, and former Grand Prix rider and British champion, Keith Ewan. Now, Keith, we've been away for a bit and quite a lot's happened. Well, I've torn the wallpaper off the walls in here because it's gone bonkers. It's gone absolutely mad. I mean, uh, what a time to go monthly. Good <laughs> <Yeah>. Lord. <laughs> time that well, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> if we've gone monthly now with the summer break here, I could understand it. But yeah, going monthly yeah. with everything that's happened just recently. I mean, we've got to start off at the top, or is it the bottom now? I'm not too sure. With Mark Marquez, haven't we? I mean, like the... the the clattering he's been getting, the battering he's been getting, the the, the the lack of Honda progress, the fact that all Honda riders are injured. Well, apart from Takanakagami, actually, who seems to be riding really well at the moment. Um, he's the only one that's 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 something like a uh, able to ride a motorbike because he's fit enough. But the Mark Marcus thing, I mean, honestly, Saxon Ring, I watched the entire show from behind the settee. I couldn't, I couldn't watch it. It was just, it hurt me looking at the state that Mark commitment has there ever been ever at any time in any you know i'm old i've never seen such commitment and dedication to getting more out of a motorbike than it's capable of getting more out of himself than he's capable of at the moment mark marcus for me is either a lunatic or an unbridled hero made your own minds up i mean he's you're saying he's fallen 14 times this year more than any other rider and he's missed three rounds hasn't he I mean, I mean, that's the, the talking about the commitment. I mean, you know, anyone that thinks he's not pushing, the, there it is. And, and the, the punishment that he got, as you say, Keith, that, that last one at the sax ring on the, the high side, wasn't it, on the, in the warm-up, which, you, you know, really sort of you saw him slumped over the guardrail, very unmarked Marquez-like, but it just showed that it was a huge weekend, wasn't it? Because sax ring is his track. He's always been able to win on anything, isn't he? The previous 11 years, he'd won and won and won and won. So this was the racetrack that we were all kind of waiting to see what he could do. Could he overcome the bike yet again? 
And instead, what we saw was Mark falling off, falling off, and not really at the front either, was he? What was he, seventh on the grid, 11th in the sprint race? I think it was a real a real sort of reality sort of hit him as to, as to just how difficult the situation is. You've never seen such emotion. That's a fact. There was one time where you would never see pain on, on the likes of Mark Marquez. He would rather hide in the truck than show any... Yeah, he'd dislocate his shoulder and he'd put it back in while he was riding on the back of a cameraman's bike on the way back to the paddock rather than show anybody any weakness anywhere. Mark Marquez's emotions have been on show. You know, clearly his name at the moment is is taking a real slagging as well out there because, of course, there, there are other riders that get caught up in some of the shenanigans that Mark finds himself in. The emotional side of things, we see on social media a female that's now regularly shown with Mark on occasions. Um, you know, these are all things that when you're 30 year old, they start to, you, you start to plateau. The, you know, your maturity, your whole, everything changes in your life as a motorbike racer. Whereas you could keep an absolute pinpoint focus on what you did. The only thing you did was ride a motorbike, off track, you know, whatever it might have been, motocross. Everything you did was dedicated to those thousandths of a second, whether you're on, a, on the dirt or on, on the tarmac. All of a sudden, his focus is wider. It's much wider. You know, he's got a social life. He's got a he's got a girlfriend. He's got thirty years old on board. He's got injuries. He's getting over. He's getting trolled like mad here, and there, and everywhere, which hurts. I've covered this before on the podcast. You know, it's all the toughest guy you've got on 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 social media. But it will just take a little bit of a sideways glance at some of them, and some of them get through. Some of them are bullets that get through the armor plate. And and you know, Mark Marquez. He's in a horrible position at the moment. You know, will he dump Honda? Got to be the question. That's got to be the crucial question. Will they let him go? Will he dive out of Honda at the end of this year and somewhere extra in 24? You know, got to say, I think they all need a different direction. I think Honda needs a different direction. I think that it would do them good to lose Mark Marquez for a while and to rebuild um, from scratch. It's not like Honda's... Um, an unknown company that might or might not make it good in the future, they will come back. There's not, and then you've got the wider thing about, you know, are the Japanese, will we see the Japanese pull out of MotoGP? I don't think so en masse, but Suzuki have dropped it. We've talked about Yamaha. They're still failing massively. You know, a little blip back from Kotoraro at the weekend. Yeah, great. Nice to see. But is it consistent? I doubt that very much indeed. Then you've got the Honda debacle. They brought Calix. Can you imagine, you know, being a Honda tech, taking the, the virtual smack in the face that, that their riders are running Calix chassis. Have you ever heard anything like it from Honda ever before, where they've actually gone outside of the group to, to, to try something else? It's a good old gunpowder bloody you know, remedy, isn't it? You just fire everything at it and see what comes out any good. But it's sure, a scary time. Surely, though, when it comes to his future, when you're swearing at your bike, that is... Surely, uh, for especially you know in the Japanese culture and how they go racing, uh, showing any kind of disdain in public is not a good look. Surely that's relationship breakdown. Where does he go, or does he call it quits completely? Well, there's there's the other question. I mean, his granddad has wanted him for packing him for God knows how long, hasn't he? I mean, he's has he done enough? Probably he has. I mean, like it, you know, quitting is in your mind. You know, you know when you've had enough. You know when you don't want to do it to that level anymore. And I think as soon as Mark feels that dip, you know, some riders make the mistake of carrying on. Some riders need the money. Some riders need the 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 rush that you get from racing motorcycles. 
and believe me, and this I can speak from first-hand knowledge. I mean, it's it's quite funny when you hear commentators talking about stuff half the time, and they they this they do not know about unless they have been motorcycle racers. It's never out of your system. It is never out of your system. Do you know what? Just as we get to that subject, all the airs on my arms and my legs are standing up, <laughs> just thinking about it, and that's the effect that this has on you as a as a, an ex motorbike racer, and the very thought of stopping. Back in the day when I was 31, a long time ago, I was a year older than Mark when I finished racing. And even now, you know, you still wake up sometimes in the morning thinking about gear ratios and <laughs> jetting, <laughs> which is quite funny. <laughs> Excuse no me. No one knows about jetting anymore. I'm an expert on jetting. <laughs> what the hell is jetting? <laughs> my boy we had carburetors back in the day and reed oh. valves and disc valves and stuff like that that used to you know jesus you had to get, you had to, you had to get your carburetor in right carburation dead on dead right and your gearing dead on there oh yeah we had two and a half thousand rpm to play with on it even on the factory bikes back in the day they chucked out nothing like the horsepower now but you didn't have any of the management systems that you've got now but forget about that it's not about me obviously it's about where, <laughs> back we're in my about day. where, these, where these guys <laughs> well i mean back in my day Back in my day is a great reference from a commentary point of view to see how things have moved on. But of course, in your head, they haven't. It's exactly the same thing. We're all sportsmen. You know, you are looking for the nth degree. Back in the day, we used to look for tenths of a second. Now you're looking for thousands of a second. Pretty soon, it's going to be ten thousandths of a second because that's how close it's been getting. Things move on. Of course, they do. But in your mind as a sportsman, and I, I, I dare say this is whatever sport you're in, you are focused on the next degree, where do I make that step? The steps have got much smaller because everybody's got much closer in Moto GP, Moto 3, Moto 2. It's fantastic. I mean, I love the way that the personal improvement, the improvement of the motorbike, working as a massive team with all of the people in trying to get it better. So you can imagine what a brain muncher it is when you've got something like Honda where you just cannot put one foot right within the rules as they are at the moment. The rules are restrictive. You can't do what you want to do as an engineer. You cannot move it forward. There's not enough time in the winter. There's not enough testing to be able to be done because you're not allowed to. There's not enough money. I mean, Suzuki, surely that was money. You know, no one's actually banged the table and said it, but surely that was money. They could not see the way forward for their five-year contract that they just signed with MotoGP and Dorna. And maybe... Yamaha, we've speculated over Yamaha for some time. You know, we've heard that Eric DeSanes has been on the European director of Yamaha over to, you know, and, and basically blathered over the whole thing. Lynn Jarvis stands there pouting away like he does in the pit, Yamaha pit garage. But there's still no discernible improvement compared with the competition around. And now Honda are in the same position. They're absolutely in dire straits to try and move it forward. The one man that could have done it for them is Mark Marquez, and it isn't working for him, and they might well lose him. I said before, when Alex Marquez went to Ducati, <laughs> that was a door ajar. <laughs> and if Mark Marquez really wants something like that, you've got to bet that someone wants to give it him. Who'd have thought that the most consistent uh, rider within the Honda stable is, uh, is Takanakagami? <laughs> well, when you, usually when you're a little bit slower, you can be consistent. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is the, the point. There's no disrespect to Takanakagami. He's a great rider, but to be frank on you, He's never going to win a championship for them, that is for sure. Polis Bargro might have been able to, you know, Joe Amir maybe, you know, uh, Mark Marquez definitely. Um, you've got some fairly shining people around you. So Takanakagami, great rider, great Moto2 rider, um, you know, good mentality. And of course, you know, conversing in your own first language as well 
is very helpful when you're developing motorbikes and when you're dealing with the factory. So, so there are a few things there. But but Takanakagami, despite the fact that I rate him very highly as a as a, as a man on a motorcycle racer, he ain't gonna win a championship. Sorry. Uh, and just talking about winning championships, I think there's never this will be the fourth year, won't it, in a row that Mark hasn't won the title. Obviously, we know why, but he's been injured. But anyway, no rider has ever, I don't think, in the history of the sport, gone more than three years and won another title. I think Casey Stoner was that guy, 2007 with Ducati and then 2011 with Honda. That was the biggest gap between championships. Valentino Rossi got close in 2015, didn't he? But he didn't quite get there. But it just shows the situation that Mark's in and this the, the, the urgency almost of what you're saying, Keith, about what does he do for his future, whether it's 24, whether there is a clause there or not, or whether it's 25. You know, it's now or never almost to get but, that other title. And you've got to believe that he's come back from all these injuries to win. You know, I, I think if he's going to throw the towel in, it'd be very hard to do that now, wouldn't it? But there is this frustration, as you mentioned, Harry, with the bike that we're seeing visibly. I mean, who does imagine that? Uh it shows he wants this. You know, he's done his part. I think that's how he feels. He's got that arm back working. He's sacrificed. He's had all those surgeries. He's ready. The bike isn't, as you say, Keith. And I think that that's, that's where there's this frustration. And, and he's got to make a decision. Do you stay loyal or do you go to somewhere well, else? Well, if you want my opinion on that, you dump him straight away. The balance, the balance is tipping. Mark Marquez's enthusiasm and his magic that he had. He had magic in his hands. That guy could do things with a motorbike that, that no one else could do. We talk about aliens. We, we spoke about them before. Aliens, an alien, what we mean by that, and anybody that's never heard us say it before, an alien is someone who does something on a motorcycle that even the other riders that are all around him go, huh? Where'd that come from? How'd you do that? And they all start to work on it. Mark Marcus is one of those guys. You know, Valentino Rossi back in the day probably was. Lorenzo definitely had that touch on a motorcycle that Casey Stoner, is the alien above aliens. Danny Pedrosa was an alien, what he achieved on a motorbike as well. There are certain things that some of these guys do on a motorbike, the way that they ride them, the way that they manipulate them, they do something that no one else can can see, can work out immediately, can't tell from the data. Even when you see the data, you couldn't do what Mark Marquez did with it. Ask Cal Crutch. You know, it's a situation where once that's gone, Freddie Spencer, now there was the one of the very first aliens, Freddie Spencer could do things on a motorbike I'd never seen anything like it. I was lucky enough to share track with him and, and see what he was doing and go, hey, how does that work? I'm going to crash if I try that. Um, and of course, Mark would get away with so many things for so long. Maybe the magic's gone. Maybe the, the time that he's had away, maybe the way that the motorcycle performs with him now and the way that he, his mentality is, it's never coming back. It's going to be, you know, he might jump on a Ducati next year and win a world title. Maybe, because the Ducati is the bike at the moment. There's no doubt about it. It is it is the motorbike to be on. KTM are coming close. Aprilia have been close. You know, there will be a shock. Well, we got a job at Aprilia. Wow. And and used it to its nth degree. I mean, Aprilia, there's an opportunity there. There's no doubt about it. But whether that factory is big enough to throw anything at it for someone like Mark or whether he'd even be interested in it, I don't know. What, what would you do if you were Mark? You know, like, you know, he basically is a, an incredible competitor. Would he want to do that? Would he, at 30 years old, 31 years old, want to rebuild that? You mentioned it, Pete, Valentino Rossi. Yeah. How long had he been trying to get that 10th world title? It, having said that, I think Valentino was too old. I think he'd gone past his sell-by date. He got the old yellow label stuck on him and uh, and was by the two or half price by the time he got to that particular point <laughs> in his career. Whereas Marcus still has 
a few years, if he can find that extra determination and extra motivation to get over where he is now. But I don't think it's with Honda. Well, that's, that is the biggest question, isn't it? Where does he go? What does the future lie? And we have got a bit of a break now before the next race. So maybe we might get some answers. Who knows um, in this summer break? Or maybe he'll certainly be debating what his uh, future holds. Uh, sure. Speaking of, though, Pete, um, drivers being... Oh, I said it. Oh, well, you can tell it's been a while. You can tell <laughs> it's been a while. Riders, riders. Uh, you can tell... Um, uh, so you know, riders being outspoken. Speaking <laughs> of, it's flustered me now. Damn it! Riders being just got to put, put the money riders, in the swear riders, jar now. Riders, Harry. riders, riders, riders being outspoken <laughs> and not liking uh, their bikes and moaning. Um, Jack Miller has uh, called them out for it, really, hasn't he? And he's actually called MotoGP out a little bit as well, complaining about ticket prices and all this kind of thing. He's he's not having it at the moment, is Miller? <laughs> no, that's it. I mean. Uh, Again, we're coming on talking about Mark. Now, obviously, the, the, there was Jack talking about Mark grabbed all the headlines. He made clear, it, well, it was Mark. It wasn't just Mark. You know, it was also also other riders. But, you, you know, you can see what Jack's saying there. He's saying, look, if you want a bike that's not working, you've got to make it work. You know, it's not just, you know, you can't just complain Let's remember, about it. remember, we but all wrote hand, KTM off right at the start of the year, didn't we? <laughs> hey, hey, we weren't alone. The whole world, apart from yeah, KTM, yeah, had written them yeah. off. <laughs> Yeah, and I read this. Yeah, I, I had an interview with Brad Binder at Magello, and, and he said, "Look, we were struggling in the winter." Because I said, "You were really, str- yeah, we were really struggling." Uh, yeah, that wasn't you. You guys didn't get that completely wrong. We were struggling, and we got it right. So, yeah, I mean, it just shows that that what they've done with that bike, and and they continue to do with that bike. I think that's the impressive thing with the KTM is they're ticking off weaknesses almost every week. I mean, that they sorted that thing, you know, out of the winter testing, got it on the right track. Then Jack went to Mugello and he was having trouble with the, the the fast corners where you just roll off the throttle, he was saying, Keith. Not where you don't jump on the brakes, but you just roll off a bit and turn. Couldn't get it to turn. By the time we got to Saxaring a week later, they'd fixed that. Then you had Brad Binder. He was struggling with the front locking. The front locking, which was, you know, mere mortals. The thought of a front wheel locking is just terrifying to, to someone like me. But they fixed that for Assen on the Sunday. You know, they, so they were that. That's the impressive thing at KTM is that they are going through their list. And when you talk about the Hondas and the Yamahas, and we're seeing things, they bring in new parts. They appear for a few weeks, and then they start bringing the old parts back. Even the Calex we saw, you know, the, they they were going back to the old Honda chassis at, at Assen at, at the weekend. So again, you you know, there's the difference there of of, of a, a company that's moving forward and sort of ticking things off. And the, and the Japanese that it seemed to be sort of going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards again. Also talk about technical concessions, which we've brought up here in the past. Could that be the saviour, if you like, of Honda and Yamaha, giving them some more time to to test? Because with this race weekend format, there's no time for testing. There, you know, and it, and it just looks like that all the things that Keith brought up about about keeping them in the sport, not letting them go the way that Suzuki went. I think this might not be coming from Honda and Yamaha, but actually people just. They say, you know, with an overall view of the sport going, you know, we need these all these factories to stay involved. Maybe the t- concession system does need to be tweaked. And we've said that, you know, that would be a good way of keeping all the factories together. Could that work for them next year? Who knows? Apparently, it hasn't officially been discussed, but we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, on Jack and the Moaning, yeah, that was the thing that he made. Yeah, he was sort of blasted all this out at the end of uh, one of his debriefs. Um, I mean, yeah. What he's saying, of course, you can understand that he's saying that it's no good throwing your, your manufacturer under the bus, if you like. On the other hand, if you look at, let's say, Yamaha and Honda, this is not just a couple of races they've been struggling. This is now coming on for several seasons, isn't it, where they're not making progress. And so at what point, and, and 
you've mentioned Valentino Rossi. He was always the expert, wasn't he? Of when, of what words to say and when to to sort of ignite a reaction from Japan. He knew the words that were, you know, whether whether he felt that they were just not investing enough in the project. This is when he was at his peak, of course. He knew what to say in public that would get them, you know, what, what's Rossi said about the Yamaha here, and it would get the bosses focused and putting that effort in again. And and so there is a time and a place when you, I think, you do have to criticise your manufacturing public. It's not done by accident, and I don't believe that the guys that have been doing it, it's been an accident. I think it's almost desperation. It's we waited, we're not seeing results. You know, let's let's apply some public pressure. Well, the artist of public pressure was Barry Sheen, going back to the icon, <laughs> the are. original icon. And uh, Mr. Sheen would turn up when riding Suzuki with a Yamaha T-shirt on at a public event. <laughs> or, or a Bull Taco t-shirt called Bull Taco was because his dad, that's why his dad was called Franco because he worked for Bull <laughs> back in the day. But it was, it was all, Sheen would turn up at the, the Night with the Stars or whatever. It is one of the biggest social gatherings of, of all your uh, punters and, and motorcycle racers in the UK wearing a Yamaha t-shirt. It was, uh, it just used to completely piss off Suzuki, you might imagine. So he's pretty good at it. Jack, now I love Jack Miller. I think Jack Miller, and he's got a very valid point. The fact he spoke it publicly, is ill-advised, in my view, because they've got long memories. And the trouble is you've got short careers, but there's a long memory um, going on behind the scenes, of course. So Jack, but having said that, Jack's been snubbed by Ducati. So at the end of the day, he doesn't care about Ducati. Honda, he's never going to ride a Honda anyway, so he doesn't particularly care about what they think. Um, and, and, and on goes Jack. And he's got a very good point, getting back to that, in that you win as a team, you lose as a team. You know, at the end of the day, you're working towards moving that whole manufacturer and your career forwards in the same direction. As soon as you start, you know, pulling in different bloody directions, that's when you get an even worse, you know, it's not a cohesive effort to make it the best it can possibly be. And 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 so Jack's right in as much as you should shut up and, and ride the thing, but but perhaps you don't say that about your colleagues that you're going to be standing in the paddock with and <laughs> maybe having a beer or not down in the, in, in the beer, but in the, in the tent. But another thing that was amusing me, and you touched on it, Pete, I had to think then for a moment because my old brain has to... You, you you talk you hit so many points, Pete, that I suddenly have to pick out ones. And I can't <laughs> write them down fast enough. But KTM seemed to be struggling for the through the fast stuff at Saxon Ring. Now, you know the Ralph Waldman the waterfall turn eleven at uh, Saxon Ring, which is where you drop off the edge of a cliff. Clearly, the KTM was having a bit of a struggle through the through the fast point. The commentators were making a big deal of it and all the rest of it. And we got to the next round, and this is picking up on your point. We got to the next round, of course. And the commentators are going, oh, KTM are struggling through all the fast stuff like they were at Saxon Ring. No, they weren't. They they dialed it in. They, they were really quick through some of the fast stuff. And I remember thinking, and it took like, I don't know, two days of commentary before everybody started to realise that, no, <laughs> KTM have made whatever tweaks, whatever adjustments, whether it's a rider had made the changes or whether the, the, the techs have made the changes, I don't know. But you're right, KTM, very, very smart how they pick up on the tiny nuances and move it forward. Um, for the next time, they they don't make the same mistake twice. It would seem that's for sure. Mark Marcus no. to KTM. Wow. Oh, well, I love the lineup the they've got already. I, I love Jack Binder and Brad. You know, Jack Binder. Jack, the <laughs> ultimate <laughs> combo. I mean, they are, yeah. they are fantastic, aren't they? They're brilliant. Hang on a minute. Uh, Nick Nick Morgan calls. Um, <laughs> I'll have to ignore him. Nicholas <laughs> Edward Morgan of MSS. Uh, Kawasaki has now it is from from Essex of course of um, course call in to give me some grief over something I'm sure or do I owe him money anyway so I call, you haven't done a podcast <laughs> in a month what else is there to say uh, <laughs> what's he going to so call much. you up on so much we got so much 
Um, bit, so yeah, just so Binder, as you say, uh, up in uh, fourth in the the championship at the moment. Uh, Miller uh, in seventh, uh, and uh, KTM second in the constructors ahead of Aprilia, and then you have your Japanese manufacturers, Honda That's, ahead of Yamaha. We talked about the Europeans now ruling the roost. Do you remember a bloke called Gary Taylor used to run the HP Suzuki team, the the five hundred CC Grand Prix team out of um, somewhere south of Croydon. Um, and he had some stickers made somewhat cheekily when, when Honda came in and they all wiped up and then Honda whinged and whined because they weren't doing any winning. So he had some stickers made that said, Honda enters, Honda wins, Honda loses, Honda quits. And these things were stuck all over the motorcycle shows around the world and just kept appearing on Honda monitors, on Honda motorbikes, these stickers that that GT had had made up. <laughs> GT was the one who got the blame for it, whether Gary Taylor did make them up or not at all. A legendary um, team team manager Gary Taylor, and um, mm. but are we going to see the same thing? Are well, Honda it like they did back then? Let's, well, let's hope not. Let's hope we get um, another team coming in place. Um, you know, in the, being being the positive optimist. Yeah, I, I think there's the the test coming up at Bizarre is going to be a big one. This is almost the, the worrying thing is that both Honda and Yamaha are already looking at next year, and this is a problem. As you say, Keith, with the development of the rules that, that you're you know almost just over a third of the way through the season and you're looking at next year because you can't change your engine and, and things like that. So, you, you know, the Bizarro test, it sounds like there'll be a prototype for the next year's Honda. That'll be the first thing and that'll be the Ken Kawai. At, at some point, well. Pete, you've got to say, enough. We are spending the rest of this year working on little tweaks that we know is going to benefit the program for next year. You know, whatever they might be within the rules. But... The, you know, you've got to be out testing. They've got to be testing on test tracks somewhere. But the problem is with a 40-race series that we got now, the riders are all knackered or injured. Every rider by this time of the year is looking forward to the summer break. And we've not even got to the business end of the year yet. This next tranche of motorcycle races are horrendous on your mind, body, and absolute soul. You know, there are going to be people that have got mental issues by the time we get halfway through this long-haul stuff when we get back after the, the summer break. It is going to be the most relentlessly punishing time in Grand Prix motorcycle racing that there has ever been. You know, it's going to be, we're going to have managers, techs, runners, everybody, TV broadcasters, people that are going to be so knackered halfway through this that they're not going to make the rest of the season. And that's without injuries to, to riders. And with everything being so close as we get towards all this as well, it's all very well, well working on different continents as they're all going to do working in some of the most punishing conditions. It's going to be... Burnout is going to be there. Burnout is going to be there across the board from from the lowest person in a team to the rider. Well, you mentioned the word punishments there and uh, the yep. T word has come back into play. Not that it ever falls far away from uh, motorsport in general. Track limits once again in the headlines. Um, well... And, and- Binder's been quite vocal. Obviously, Jorge Martin not being affected, being affected. What, what are not, we making not, of this debacle? It's not track limits, Harry. It's, it's not track limits. It's the way it's bloody administered. It's the way it's officiated. It's not track limits. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Track limits is a track limit. It's dead simple. But when you, you blow someone away that's just lost the front in a massive way, we're talking Assen here, into the chicane, loses the front, there's no option but to go across there. And what bloody rider can work out whether you've given away a second? Who can do that? What? You, know, you don't have a bloody stopwatch in your head to think, oh, I must have given away a second by now, so therefore I'll be okay, I won't get a penalty. So he cocked his penalty, and then you get another, you know, how can you not see that someone has run on the greens through along that penalty? Yeah, I mean, I don't understand how the officiate, I just, I don't get it. I mean, I think that we are in that situation where uh, race direction needs a serious, serious look at the stewards. Again. I mean, you that's said one that thing so I've got many times this year. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was the Acosta penalty, was it? Yeah, the, the, the long lap penalty that Acosta. Yep. Acosta did a long lap penalty and clearly, visually, <laughs> ran onto the green with both wheels. You know, and that that is not completing your long lap penalty correctly. I mean, admittedly, that particular long lap penalty is hugely long, and it's got a massive dip on the way out, on the way back onto the track as well. So you've got you've got several hoops to jump through on a very difficult long lap penalty. But at the end of the day, the rules are you've got to stay within the white lines. You can't drift off onto the the green stuff to to maximise your line or whatever it is. I I, I think they're going to have to put the sensors on it aren't they i think i think it what emerged yeah, from no, this is that it I, is I only think... a visual thing and there was a cctv wasn't there of, of a different angle and so you had the the tv angle the cctv and but but nothing that actually sensor wise sort of pinged and said you've crossed no, the line you, you or need not, common so. sensor not a new bloody sensor you just need to you know somebody to you know it looked clear to to all concern i mean the 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 the, 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 the penalty through the chicane to me was over-egging it. I, the problem you've got is if you don't penalise one person for doing it, then you leave the, the door open. It just seems that our rules are still loose enough for interpretation sometimes, which is just wrong completely. But the, the fact is that you're supposed to lose a certain amount of... If you've gone off onto the green stuff, it's there instead of grass. 
to make to, to, to make the safety angle okay. Um, but therefore, you have to lose a certain amount if you've gone across the green. Well, the fact that he lost what a couple of places, lost the front end, you know, it all but crashed. Um, but actually, didn't lose the amount of time that probably was designated that he should have done. Still seems completely wrong to me because you know, I don't know. He's a he's a motorbike racer, and he looked like he crashed to me. He saved it. He lost places. You know, it, it, it spoiled his momentum, and he still came back, but but lost lost the podium, which um, if I'd have been Binder, I'd have been yeah, I mean, losing losing a podium after the check and flag twice with the same track limit same point i mean unbelievable wasn't it and, and and i mean when it flashed up on the sunday you thought oh there's a there's a timing issue there's a glitch it can't possibly be grant binder demoted again and yet exactly the same corner by a few millimeters and that's all it that's all it takes and the problem is he didn't say i mean the only thing he could have done in theory is to have backed off again but he didn't even know that he'd done it well, you I know. mean, I think as well, you there's two issues here, are there? That You've got to be within the rules, and the rules have got to be applied consistently. Fair enough. But we also we also owe it to the fans. You know, did you, when Quattararo rolled round to get that third position, uh, which is, was great to see Quattararo on the, on the sprint podium, but, and they showed the reason why up on the screens around Assen, bloody hell the fans definitely signified their dissatisfaction with that decision. And I think that's the secondary point in this. It's all very well having these rules, and of course we've got to be consistently applied and so on and so forth. But it's a show for the fans. They are paying big money to come and watch proper racing, not to suddenly have checkered flag and then a rearrangement of the podium because someone went a millimetre over or whatever it might have been. And we've seen it so many times. It It's... It is what it is, but it definitely needs a bloody good shake-up for next year. I'm, we shouldn't talk about it anymore. <laughs> All right, done. We, we've had many a podcast <laughs> yeah. where track limits and uh, penalties you and stewards have definitely come up. don't want to finish our final podcast <laughs> on such negativity. No, we're going to turn to positivity and go down a step to Moto2 because Jake Dixon finally did it, Keith. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, like, it's, it's funny. It evokes such personal... Yeah, you've wanted him to do it for so long since Le Mans when he should have won at Le Mans a few years ago and, and chucked it away in the final corner. Da, 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 da. Jake has had to get over that, get that monkey off your back and get on and do it. And he looked class all the way through the weekend. He worked really, really maturely through the race and didn't get rattled by, by his positioning early on in the race and, and, and obviously picked it off perfectly. But it, what it did for me was it, it made me think about how we treat riders that are coming through. Now we're all over Jake. Jake, listen, he's the great hope for British motorcycle racing and all the rest of it. And being old, I actually had a little think about that for a moment or two and just tried not to get too carried away with it. But Moto2 alone, you know, we had the former world supersport champion, Sam Lowe's, who came into Moto2. And he he's a, a winning man in Moto2. And he was the great hope for Britain. And he's, what, 30-something years old now. So... Kind of, he's been getting a lot of stick lately and people have kind of bit dismissive about Sam behind the scenes a little bit, and I think unfairly so. Um, and he'll probably disappear off into World Superbikes, you know, next year. So Sam will have had his career in Grand Prix. He's won a few Grand Prix. He's been Britain's hope of the of the moment. And then he stepped back just a little bit further than that, and there was the man that beats them all, effectively, in Scott um, Redding. You know, Redding, if you go back to 
you know, winning a, a one two five Grand Prix in Moto Two. I mean, he was a superb rider in Moto Two. He should have won the championship. He was very unlucky not to win the championship. And he's a guy that everyone kind of dismisses now, and he's across in World Superbikes, and and they forget about him. And you kind of you're looking to see what is going to make the difference with Jake Dixon. What is going to make the difference? He's had that win. Now everybody say, well, that will be it. You know, now he's got that one out of the way. He'll be able to win them all and 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 maybe be a, a be a champion. Well, will he? You know, will he be the next one that's in the line of riders that have won a, a, a GP? You know, go to McPhee in, in Moto3 if you like. Although I, I never really thought that John McPhee was going to win a world title, but certainly a few more Moto3 races, there's no doubt about it. Um, will Jake, at 27 years old, the things that are significant for me, let me try and answer my own question. The things that are significant <laughs> for me is he's Sarah, his missus, He's got a child already. The kind of things that we were talking about a moment ago or alluding to a moment ago with Mark Marquez, he's got those things ahead of him. Jake Dixon has got those things behind him and he's still 27 years old. So he's gone through that kind of maturity stage that you need to to get done. It's not really going to interfere with his racing moving forward. Whereas the likes of Marquez, perhaps those kind of things will add to his pressure to, to, to one side. Perhaps he'll look to one side regarding that. Um, so I think Jake Dixon is well-placed, but now he needs to really put that together. Win at Silverstone. Summer break. He's gone into the summer break with a win. He's going to come out of the summer break. We're going to be at the British Grand Prix. 100,000 fans and everybody mobbing him. Now, for some riders, your home Grand Prix, you win or choke. It's, it's an awful situation, but your home Grand Prix, and I remember this so well, you've got your family there, you've got your friends there, you've got your fans there, you've got every man and his dog coming out of the cupboard trying to get passes off you to be there with you and to be swept along by, by you know, your momentum and, and your fame and fortune. And you, you want to go and bury yourself somewhere, you know, on your own and, and stick your head in the sand and try and concentrate on the job in hand. But you've got the, all these other duties that you've got to do at home Grand Prix at your own your own Grand Prix, and the British Grand Prix is probably, not just for British um, riders, it's probably the biggest Grand Prix of the year. You know, I'd, I'd say that advisedly. It's on a track that's fast and flowing. It's one that you want to win. It's like, it's kind of like the Monaco of Formula One. You know, Silverstone, despite the fact that Silverstone's a car track and they, they kind of don't quite give MotoGP everything because obviously they're all spent out on Formula One and, and the like mm. and Formula One's where they make the most money but it is the biggest event of the year and it's one that Dorna want to, to see successful they want to see a British rider be successful there because the British marketplace in Grand Prix is not as as buoyant as it might be in say Italy or certainly in Spain and they're wanting to make sure that marketplace is in hard silver and they're doing their best I have to say they've got great headliners on this this year from from a band's point of view if you if you're staying for the three days you are going to be entertained it's fantastic but what we really need is jake dixon to come out of the summer break in the way that he came into the summer break as a grand prix winner and that really will launch motor gp again in this country and maybe jake dixon will move into a motor gp team again and uh, we'll see something a little bit special from him moving on forwards he's proved he can do it he's come from adversity before Maybe you can manage that again. Fabio Cotteraro, good good friend of Jake, isn't he? He was asked about that win and he said, he, if Fabio said, I said to my mechanic, look, if he doesn't win this one, he's never going to win. <laughs> because as you say, Keith, 
you know, he was on such good form all weekend. And uh, yeah, he, he, you know, he put it together the race. Bit of a close pass with uh, Ayagura, wasn't it? Ayagura also back on form, we should say. Welcome return to the front after his injury troubles. But yeah, you saw what it meant to Jake afterwards. That Getting that win, you know, as you say, Keith, he's been there really since that mistake at Le Mans a few years back that he's just been hanging around at the back of his head. And, uh, you know, he's already saying that he's talking to MotoGP teams. The, the, the British market, obviously, you've got BT Sport, that they want a British rider. There's all that momentum and pressure there. And, uh, you know, people have gone, you know, going to MotoGP without a win in Moto2 is, is a bit of a a bit of a step, isn't it? But, you know, there's a lot of riders that have, have won between one, two or three Moto2 races, not least a Fabio Quattararo. So he's taken a big step towards proving he can do it. And as you say, Keith, I think these next few races are crucial because if he can now add another victory, He's third in the championship, isn't he? He's a bit far from Arbolino and uh, Acosta, but completely out of it. But still, another couple of wins. And to be honest, he's ticked every box, I think. He's his fifth year in Moto2, I think, now, isn't it? He needs to move up. And if he can get build this momentum, get himself into MotoGP, I think I think now's the time for the reasons that you say, Keith. He's the real deal, personality-wise, as well. He's got that Barry Sheen kind of way about him. I love that. I mean, he's got that James Hunt without the posh voice, obviously. Um, he's got that kind of Barry Sheen feel about him. Bit of a jack the lad, you know, swagger, swagger, Mickey take, Mickey take. But underneath there is always a, a steely professional sportsman. Um, don't be fooled by the uh, veneer that's that's out front. Be, enjoy it because he is jack the lad and he is good fun. But believe me, he's got what it takes to, to, to move it on. And I think Jake, sorry, I just swallowed a fly. <laughs> Lovely. Mm. Mm. I was wondering what you were doing there. I felt it go in my mouth and I just pulled it out. There's your appetizer. <laughs> that I'm not watching, only listening. <laughs> Flies don't taste that nice. <laughs> we eat them Protein. in Asia, but not over here in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> we enjoy them in Asia, come to think of it. Oh, um, God. So there you go. Um, <laughs> I mean, the problem you've got in MotoGP is that well, you've got the Acosta factor. We mentioned him about not getting the penalty a bit earlier on. You've got the Acosta factor. You know, KTM at the moment are, are, are spoiled for riches of talent. You know, who's going to get the push out of uh, out of KTM for Acosta to, to to take a place? That's going to happen for sure. There's no way that you know they've got too. They're going to have to let somebody go. You know, other teams are going to be looking at, at you know rivals that have got talent that maybe they can bring on. So it's not an easy marketplace for Jake. That's for sure. Frankie Carcetti, who is you know originally Suzuki. Um, Technician, manager for um, Jake Dixon as well. He and, and Dorna and Erta put that deal together to get him into Moto2 and to keep him in Moto2. Um, and, and basically, Eddie Dorna have been fronting up money for the likes of Jake Dixon for the last few years to make sure that the team keep him on. And now he's fulfilled that with this win. If he can just cap that with a couple more this year, um, that justification will have been well-founded at the end of the day. And uh, And... Blimey, I wish Jake well. I mean, because he he is the real deal. He if he if he if he becomes a consistent Grand Prix winner with his kind of personality, he will be the kind. He'll be the he'll be selling broom. Bless it all over, Henry. Anybody old enough to remember that advert? <laughs> nope. Uh- <laughs> I said we bought the brief. I must have some here somewhere. <laughs> oh well, Dixon is Barry, Barry Sheen and Henry Cooper used to used to. Uh, have an advert on the TV, you know, on the telebox um, for for men's Oops. perfume. I know you. Do, I know you bloody use it because I can smell it from here. <laughs> you, you looking at me or Pete? <laughs> <laughs> looking at you, Barry. 
You look like a groomed man. Pete well, looks like a worn out man. When you've got a bit, when you've got a beard, you have to keep it well groomed. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I use a bit of perfume. What was it called? What was it? Well, yeah, what was the it was o- brute? Brute. It was that was brute. what eau de brute or whatever. Eau de brute. Splash it de... all over. He used to say that. He used to say Henry Cooper splash it all over Henry. And I think. Oh, Jesus. Didn't Stephanie used to have a part in that as well? Barry's missus. What, what what was it? Leather and sweat. Was that the, the scent? <laughs> hey, I don't want any condescending talk from you bloody four-wheel types, you know. <laughs> the well perfumed uh, bubble you live in. Uh, you're the one who brought up James Hunt. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, um, it's only because two nights ago I watched Rush. Uh, well, not for the first time, surely. Uh, no. No, yeah, it was a great. It's a good film, very good film. Do you know what the uh, great thing about getting old, Harry, and you're going to go there one day? You, you you've forget. watched the film a dozen times, but by the time you want to watch it again, you've forgotten it. Quite good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Um, Dixon, back to Dixon. Uh, he's he's third now in the championship, forty something points off of um, Tony Arbolino. Then it is the the wonder kid, the dream. Uh, Pedro Acosta in second, who looks like he's got his pick of the bunch when it comes into MotoGP. Lopez Canet, uh, the top five. That's how Moto2 is looking. Should we have a gander at Moto3? We may as well, as we're here. Um, uh, Pete, it was a bit of a hit for Daniel Holgado last time out. Uh, he still has uh, the championship lead, but uh, Jamal Messier and, uh, and Ayumi Suzaki not far off him. Yeah, a bit of a surprise, wasn't it? Yeah, Holgado came in. He's, he's been on a cracking run, hasn't he? The, moving to Tectois, he, he won their home race, didn't he? Carried the momentum on. And then, yeah, just disaster. It uh, literally qualified last and he got caught out qualifying. And then and then you think it couldn't get any worse. He then has a first lap accident in the race and so doesn't score any points. But he's still there. You know, he, he's got that, well, he had that buffer. So it means that he is still leading the championship. But as you say, Messia on the, a, a rare win for Honda, really, this year, that it, the, the track seemed to suit the, the Honda a bit more and, uh, and and got him up there. But yeah, we'll have to see the second half of the year. I think, uh, you know, Holgado, he's, uh, you could see afterwards that the team rushing around to try and, you, you know, be cool on all that experience they've got in Tectoire and just uh, just sort of reassuring him, look, you know, this is one race and, and, and you know, this is not it. There's a long way to go. But uh, if he keeps his head, he's, he's the man to beat still. Can't argue with that, Pete. I've got to say, Jamal Masia was my man at the start of the season, but um, and it looked to me from from what I'd seen in early season stuff, like the Honda might have made a step over the KTM, but it's been completely the opposite. I think there's a there's a lesson to be learned here from our KTM conversations earlier on about MotoGP and now Moto Three. <laughs> Ignore anything that's gone on in testing. <laughs> Wait till we get to the races. <laughs> Literally. Um... Well, that's uh, that's how most two motor three look. Um, now, uh, before I come back up to MotoGP, uh, do you remember Steve and Michelle on their MotoGP adventure in retirement that you uh, Keith gave them a lovely little guide? Well, they've been keeping us up to date, and uh, and if you're watching on YouTube, you can uh, you can see all the all the images they've been sending us uh, back in. Well, this is about uh, start of June. They were uh, out in force. They were able to make. They met Gigi, um, also Dominique Agata, um, uh, Ricciardi. Rimini were great as well. Then they were off to Mugello. 
Uh, and then they sent us some more pictures on the train, taking their uh, play, their way around. They took a taxi ride to the track in Mugello. Um, this is how we're going to go tomorrow. And they've sent us a lovely picture of a, I don't know, sort of a Vespa type thing. Um, and uh, <laughs> that's uh, they've never ridden anything that small uh, before, but it's uh, the only thing that was available. So uh, Steve and Michelle, and the last update they gave us is that they are done for now. This was just a couple of days ago. Um, it was a, an amazing experience. A hundred miles. It was a little Vespa. Uh, Italy won us over and wore us out. Anyway, I just want to let you know that we're still here in Europe. We're back to Barcelona for the weekend, heading to Paris and then Saint Martin. Uh, then back to Mexico. We're considerably more fit because of all the footwork we've done. Lucky we packed super light. Uh, and uh, they're already plotting their trip to England, which I hope includes a Silverstone visit. If it doesn't, you're mad. But uh, Steve and Michelle. All down to you, Keith. That nice bit of tourism advice there. <laughs> well, I'm glad they enjoyed it. I mean, I, I wish I was doing it as well. Yeah, I know. I think a lot of people will get jealous <laughs> of that. Thank you for well, keeping us up to date with your, with your journey as well. Really appreciate it. Um, and uh, keep, still keep us up to date. We'd love to see where you head off to next. And then if you meet any uh, any famous names, get a picture with Keith and uh, frame it. Um, well, we'll, we'll, do some more co- we'll do some coordinated travel stuff when we, we reappear after whatever happens in our monthly um Yes. Yes. If, if if this all dies a death here, we'll 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 have all sorts of extra things yeah. when we come. Don't back. you worry. We are we're not we're not going to go down without a fight. We may not be on this particular platform, but uh, we will be lurking around. So give give us all a follow uh, on social media. So that's where you'll be able to see w- what we're up to. Um, well, look before we go, then um, shall we shall we give our uh, uh, sort of I don't want to say a prediction, but uh, Peko Banyaya is he going to win? He's 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 the most consistent. He's looking very very good, hasn't he? He's had his little dip in the middle. He's you know he looks confident. Bezeki is fantastic at the moment, so I think that there's going to be a duel. I ju- I love the dynamic at the moment. The, the 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 I don't know what you call it. The green room, the after room when they when they're sort of washing themselves down and getting ready for the, the cool down. I just room. love the banter that's between all of them at the moment. I think MotoGP is in such a fantastic place regarding you know Jack Miller firing off at them all and 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 you know people finding sight. I just think there's personalities in MotoGP and it's w- what we need. We need that kind of, and we need television to be promoting that so we can see that consistently. I mean, of course, Silverstone is the first TNT broadcast. BT Sport is no more. Oh, you know, BT yes. Sport's no more. Eurosport will be no more. Discovery Sport will be no more. It all comes under the TNT banner. Now, how that plays out for, for everyone at home and around Europe, we're going to have to find out, you know, it ain't going to get any cheaper. Let's see what we get for value for money and whether we start getting some of these personalities. You know, the the, the sort of rather twee trackside uh, interview with the odd rider for 10 seconds and the standard questions and all the rest of it. I'm fed up with all of that. I want a bit more of it. I want to see him at home. I want to, you know, go out on a night out with him. I want to see him on the piss. Let's let's have a... a, a and, and they do, you know, on occasions. It's something that you don't see much of, but... You know, there, there are lots of different things that you, you can you can get into your television broadcast. And I hope TNT and, and, and Dorna and everybody get their heads together and we get that kind of coverage. You know, I think we've been... The, the coverage has been brilliant for, for, for the last 10 years. BT Sport particularly have covered it extremely well. But I think we've done that model. It now needs to move on. Mm. I think there is a much bigger audience out there that that can be brought forward younger audience you know digital audience you know the kind of audience that are, that 
that make you look old, Harry. They're they're yeah. out there, um, and I think I they need bringing. I'm, I'm, I'm 26. That's over the hill now. Hey, I'm quite a bit older than you, and I still can't grow a beard. <laughs> what, how do you think Pete feels? He's got a grow a beard on his head. Oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, careful. It's come out of place. Lovely stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting for my uh, my Keith Hewitt yeah. to be delivered. <laughs> yeah. A whole pay division. I'll, I'll find you one. <laughs> oh, well. You know, I was going to have a set of headphones down, Harry, like you've got there, that you've yeah. got on with hair attached. <laughs> you never take, never take them off. <laughs> uh. By the way, this is my own hair. It's just not much of it, and it's well-placed. It is well placed. It's like it's like that old joke, isn't it? In MotoGP, the fans name the fans know the names of all the riders, and it used to be said in Germany, particularly in World Superbikes, the riders know the names of all the fans. <laughs> That's a bit like my hair. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> They've all got numbers. <laughs> and on that note, uh, <laughs> um, I think I think we're going to end it there, guys. Um, Pete, any final words? About anything, I don't know. Um, Feel free. Uh, about anything. Well, I mean, it's, it's been a pleasure, you guys, working with you guys. And these, you know, we all got thrown together, didn't we? A we couple really of years did. Ago I didn't this, know who Keith Ewan was. Well, imagine how I felt about Harry Benjamin. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow it worked. Jesus, who'd have thought it? Eh? Not me. Yeah. No, it's, 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 no, it's been great fun. Professionally, personally, it's been a uh, been a lot of fun. So thank you guys for that. And. Uh, Yes, yeah, beers uh, at Silverstone. I, I can see he's made. Yeah, oh, yeah. beers at Silverstone. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. And uh, yeah, thanks for all the, all the questions the listeners have sent in to uh, Adrian, our uh, long-suffering editor. Oh, absolutely. Editor we have to give a shout uh, out to Adrian. Patching together all of our uh, technical difficulties he every spent now and then. Hours piecing so, together uh, yeah. some shocking technical um, technical <laughs> uh, infringements for our podcast. So well done to Adrian <laughs> for that. Thank you for all your hard work. Um, and uh, and yeah, I think uh, I think you've said it all really. Thank you to the listeners. Uh, we've got to thank Keith as well for agreeing to to even be a part of this, Keith. So thanks for giving up your time. Really appreciate Mate, it. I have to say that the, the, the dynamic between us, I've enjoyed it. It's, it's been good fun. I mean. Me being a little elderly and you being a little younger and Pete in the middle trying to um, make sure there's some semblance of journalistic bloody acumen in there has been quite good fun to, to be involved in. And, and the highest accolade I think that, that we've been given as a, as a trio, if you like, as a group, came from one of the very high ups in the MotoGP paddock about how much that they enjoy listening to, to, to our podcast as well, which, you know, blowing a bit of smoke up around our own kilts is... Uh, <laughs> Not always that pretty, but but that one particular, you know, compliment means so much to the likes of us because we work in that environment. And if you if you're getting it reasonably entertained with a reasonable amount of accurate information, um, then that's all you can really wish for. And and thank you very much to anybody in the paddock that listens to this and supports us from within the paddock as well. Obviously, for everyone that that subscribes to it, that that, that maybe is outside of the paddock, but from from all of us that are inside the paddock to 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 have your peers um appreciate you know some of the work that you do is there is no higher accolade than that it don't matter about money when it comes to that kind of thing does it we just if we can be entertaining and informative then that really is you, you've you've got close to cracking it 
Um, we'll try harder next time so we get there, shall we? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and that whole idea of being in, inside and outside the paddock, we hope we're, we've been able to sort of blend that um, to those uh, who are outside the paddock so you can feel like you are in there and you're knowing everything that's going on. So um, we really appreciate having you along for the ride. Thank you for all the support. As we've said and hinted and intimated, this might not be the end. So keep a lookout. But this is the end of the Crash MotoGP podcast. Uh, but we are working on something. So um, keep an eye out. But anyway, for the for the last time, this has been the Crash Moto GP podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I'm not going to say like and subscribe because we're off now. So uh, my thanks to Pete McLaren, Keith Ewan. I've been Harry Benjamin. Uh, enjoy the rest of the season and we'll hope to be back soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>